It's the age-old tale of... Oh, who even cares? We watched Frozen Assets, which means it's time for another Portland at the Movies. In a world, in a time, in a land of eternal beauty, all that stands between a city and a disaster. If you thought you had seen it all... Are we so stupid as to equate a man's virility with the number of spermatozoa in his reproductive fluid? Hello and welcome to another episode of Portland at the Movies. I am Todd Borkoven. I am joined, as always, by Mark Middleton. How are you, Mark? <laughs> I'm, I'm better now that we've uh, made it through this movie. and uh, <laughs> Now that we're on the other on the, side. The other side. We're on the downhill slope. <laughs> well, good. And, of course, uh, Brian, the Unipiper Kid. How are you, Brian? Hey, Todd. Uh, yes, I am happy to be here today because it means that uh, it, things can only get better from here. <laughs> this, this really was some sort of turning point. A low point. Yeah, it really was. And uh, full disclosure, like I, going into this movie, I was excited. I was excited because it would like I felt like it was going to be um, like a full house, you know, 80s sitcom, stupid but funny, you know, type just check your brain at the door, but it's still goofy and fun. And this was just dreadful. There were some warning signs. There were there were some signs on the wall. Which were what? what well, yeah, what are your signs? Like, how can you tell a bad movie's coming? So we're in the year 2018, and this movie is not available anywhere. It's almost like this movie doesn't exist. It really, the only place it existed is at Movie Madness on VHS. On VHS, which you're wearing the, an awesome Movie Madness shirt, by the way. Oh, thank you. I just uh, this is my Kickstarter reward for supporting uh, Movie Madness. That's pretty great. Uh, yeah, so uh, it was my first trip to Movie Madness, and I rented Frozen Assets. That's a pretty good one, so I guess. we could all watch it together. <laughs> At least you went in there renting something that you couldn't get anywhere else. Right. And it, it, it kind of sounds like we're overreacting, but I think right out of the gate, we're going to start with kind of a, a double review from uh, Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert. Uh, Roger Ebert um, wrote a review for the Chicago Sun-Times, which is the newspaper he wrote for. Um, and Mark, why don't you read uh, a little bit of his review of Frozen Assets? Uh, so this was posted on October 23rd of 1992. And this is Roger Ebert giving it a thumbs down. He says, uh, I didn't feel like a viewer during Frozen Assets. I felt like an eyewitness at a disaster. If I were more of a hero, I would spend the next couple of weeks breaking into theaters where this movie is being shown and lead the audience to safety. <laughs> and if I'd been an actor in the film, I would wonder why all the characters in Frozen Assets seem dumber than the average roadkill. <laughs> this is a comedy, not the right word, about a business executive whose corporation sends him to a small town to run the bank. Only when he gets there... Does he discover it's a sperm bank? Uh, yeah, so that is the premise of this movie, is that Corbin Bernstein is some sort of lawyer, no, some sort of banker, bank executive, junior bank executive. VP of marketing. Oh, really? Yeah, he had a uh, nameplate oh, on his desk. Okay, well, apparently he was that uh, down in Los Angeles, and he is the low man on the totem pole, and he gets his big shot to move up to the big bank in Hobart, no, Hobart. 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 Oregon. Hobart, I kept getting Oregon. that mixed up with Hogarth, which, which is, is a, Iron, the kid in Iron Giant. Right. And this is a fictional town, fictional Oregon town. Yes. Uh, fictional Oregon town of Hogarth. Hobart. 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 Oh, boy. Oh, uh, 
And he goes up there needing to turn this bank around, not realizing that, yes, it is a small town sperm bank. You know, like all small towns have. This movie has the shortest synopsis I've ever seen for a film on IMDb. It is one sentence and says, a man is hired to run a bank, which turns out to be a sperm bank. (laughs) Frozen assets, folks. Frozen assets. That is about the level of a thought to put into this movie. (laughs) Uh, So that was uh, Mark read from... uh, from uh, their uh, Roger Ebert Robert review. review, and so here's uh, from their television show. Let me bring it up. Okay, here. our next film is called Frozen Assets, and we take a step way down in quality here. <laughs> this is one of the dumbest comedies I have ever seen. You're going very easy on it, I said. <laughs> so far, yeah. let me try. I knew Frozen Assets was going to be awful from its opening scene, in which we see an executive at the head office jabbering on the phone with underwear stretched over his head. I don't think I can adequately describe to you how unpleasant the remaining 95 minutes were or will be for you. It was as depressing an experience as I've ever had going to the movies. That's 23 years of going to the movies professionally, maybe six, 7,000 pictures. Well, Gene, I was going to the movies professionally for two or three years before <laughs> yeah, you were, yeah. and there was nothing I saw during that time that even approached this in its abysmal awfulness. This is perhaps uh, the worst comedy ever made. Not even the worst comedy ever made, just the worst movie ever made. I don't know. You know the theory of reincarnation where the dues we pay in this lifetime, we may get to collect in another (laughs) lifetime. For having seen this movie, I want months and months and months in a beautiful valley with honey (laughs) and nectar and zephyr-like Wow, they're taking this pretty deep. Because I, on the, like I said on the outside, I I thought it was just going to be this light, dumb thing, and I can't point to anything special like a specific point that I was like, that's bad. But by the end, you are just a joyless husk it's, of a human being. It's an assault on your like senses and, and your integrity. Yeah. Your... As, as a person, <laughs> it's offensive in, in like the worst ways possible. It really is. And so the tone of this movie, Oh, uh, before we get too far into it, I did want to, uh, so it's Hogart Hobart Hobart. So Ed, we did get a shout on the radio. So they locate Hobart, uh, close I love this. to Willamette or Willamette, no, no, uh, Wilsonville, Wilsonville and Cave Junction. Cave Junction being on the border of California. Now I'm almost. wondering if they did that on purpose so in order you, to so that it would kind of be like anywhere or again you we'll can't pick, you'll place pick it. two far apart cities. <laughs> the, the, yeah, the radio calls itself out as serving the locales of Wilsonville. Yeah, I've got that uh, that little clip here. You've been listening to Northwest Oregon's flagship station QORE, serving the towns of Wilsonville, Cave Junction, and Hobart. And remember, citizens. Now you can't get much farther apart than Wilsonville and Cave <laughs> Junction. You might need to go to Astoria or maybe Oregon, or not Oregon, uh, Ontario. Um, but t- the tone of this movie, I'll play. So Corbin Burton shows up all the way to this bank and um, still thinks it's a regular bank, and the movie thinks for, for a really long time. For a really long time, he has shown up and he starts talking to one of the frequent patrons of this sperm yes donation place he a says customer. it comes three times a week yeah now there you go frequent donor i feel like i'm walking into a question i don't really want the answer to but i mean i guess you get paid for donate do you do it for money like he's not saving this for himself for some reason there's no like, there's a chapter about this in tickle my pickle <laughs> tickle, tickle his pickle 
<laughs> which is the naughty book Mark found at the Goodwill outlet bins. Nobody knows what we're Nobody talking about. Talking about. Uh, yeah, it, yeah, you get paid for it. Okay, so I guess that makes more sense. But I mean, you're in a small. It, so my question is, why does a town of 300 have a sperm bank and a brothel? And an active, <laughs> an active, active brothel. brothel, and an active so much. The prostitution is so rampant. The prostitutes uh, picket at some point. Mm. These sperm bank. They have a union. I'm yeah. the prostitution union. Uh, but Corbin Burton shows up. He thinks it's a bank, and so he starts talking to this uh, customer that's sitting there. And you'll get the level of humor and dialogue that this movie is oh. working with. Zach Shepard, new president and chief executive officer. First day in Oregon. That's Oregon. I did like that. Tell touch. me, how long have yeah. you been banking with us? <clears throat> see, well, guess you could uh, call me a regular. Uh, two deposits a week for the last seven years. Good. Yeah, I keep a, a, a lot on hand in case of an emergency. Now, that's a good idea to keep those assets liquid. Well, no, are you nuts? No, I keep mine frozen. That's a smart move for the small depositor. Well, it's not that small. I, th- th- that scene goes on another uh, another painfully. minute, uh, but that that's I mean that uh, that's the uh, joke. Uh, like the whole the whole movie is like a discarded sitcom episode. It really that feels... they found in the trash bin, and somehow the writer has written nothing else. The production company is just called Frozen well, Assets Productions. Let's talk about the writer for a second. Okay. Or the two writers. So yes, it just took two people. It is to write. credited as uh, being written by two people. Uh, Don Klein, um, who truly has written, he has no other credits. Right. That's so. This I is saw. like a one and done. So that right there, and he's also a producer of the movie. Yeah. And to to make it really weird, there's a credit in the credits that says something like, this movie is dedicated to the memory of my father, Leonard Klein. So it's clearly like the person who wrote it and produced it, it's it's dedicated to the memory of his father. Can you imagine if your child... Grew up and made, made this. this movie and dedicated it to you. Put your name on What it. a slap <laughs> in the face. There's got to be more to this story. So uh, my working theory is, is that uh, this guy's father was like the king of dad jokes. And he was just into puns. And he had this grand idea. And he would always talk about his idea for a movie. And he would just make jokes about sperm banks. And so his son, in tribute to his father, took his dad's one idea and wrote a movie and in true dad joke form there are no jokes and or humor in this entire movie <laughs> yeah i was going to ask if mark got any ma- new material out of this but <laughs> well this... now Go to ahead. its credit there was one oh, yeah. joke that i laughed at okay uh it, it, it went by rather quick and you may have missed it but i i genuinely laughed when um uh zach is getting on the scene and he's checking out the the lab for the first time where zach they, is, is corbin birdson corbin birdson okay. yeah and he's he's walking into the lab for the first time and they have a, a centrifuge and he opens <laughs> the lid to the centrifuge and uh, all of the things spinning have blue caps and he's like ten dollars on blue <laughs> i laughed at that i read did you <laughs> wow <laughs> I would judge you, but you sat through frozen assets, so I know all of our cloud our was clouded. Our judge, judgment is totally clouded. Uh, but this it is interesting because this has, like we said, Corbin Brinson and Shelley Long in it, and both of them. He was on LA Law at the time, so this was during his stint. She had already left uh, Cheers, Cheers, but she had been in the Money Pit, Outrageous Fortune, uh, Hello Again. Uh, 
and then Troop Beverly Hills, and then Frozen Assets. So she wasn't like, this was on our downward sl- uh, slump, I guess, Obviously. but I, I don't think this was like during the dark times or whatever like that. Right. This, So I don't know, it, the movie is just so bad, I don't know how they managed to get anyone to be in it, let alone Shelley Long at this point. This movie has a lot of explaining to do. I truly, more than any other movie that we've watched, I want to know exactly why and how this got Who made. Green light is is a, and the whole yeah. thing does, it not only is ri- is written like a terrible sitcom, up to the point where two people get locked in a freezer together, uh, it's shot like a TV show, it's edited and paced like a TV show, everything is just flatly yeah, it's lit. It's got everything, every, everything but a laugh trap. No, I watched it, really it, does. I watched it for a second time today, right before we recorded this, and I watched it at one and a half speed, and oh. played that fast, it feels like a cartoon. <laughs> Like it's it feels like the the pacing it's the jokes and the quote unquote mm. jokes it it's made for children like right. it, it's it's presented how you would in in like a cartoon and for I wouldn't kids. even blame its faults necessarily on that because I think things done in that style I can enjoy them you know like the Brady Bunch or something like that but <clears throat> I just everything else everything about the written aspect of this is just. Awful. It's this dichotomy between the way that it's being presented and what the material is, and how like kind of gross and awkward the humor is, because it's all about sperm and sex and And jacking off. Also, (laughs) it also felt like there were there were big expository sentences. Let's see if I can find one here. um, Where it felt like you were watching an educational video about, um, like IVF and in in vitro fertilization. And let's see. Started off on the wrong foot. Let's start over again. I'm new at this. I don't even understand why they built a place like this in a hick town like Hobart. Because hicks like us also have problems with impotence and sterility and sexual performance. We're just like you. Nothing personal. Nothing personal. Thanks a lot. So let's talk about their relationship. How would you describe, Mark, their uh, relationship between Corbin Burnson and Shelley Long in this movie? Well, it definitely starts out with him just being a misogynist bastard. Yes. Uh, and just derogatory statements and, and very sexist and very caustic and caustic and antagonistic and, and terrible. He's just a terrible human. And uh, it, and this is, you know, 1992 uh, when they're doing it, so it's it's and I never, meant to be humorous. Did you watch L.A. Law at all? No. I'm I am I'm assuming he played some sort of like <clears throat> flyboy, you know, woman chaser on that show. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he did, but I'm assuming it was See, playing off I, of that. I character. only know him as the dad from Psych. <laughs> so, <laughs> never watched Psych. He was on American Gods uh, this past oh, year, really? and he was fantastic in that. Oh, really? Um, He's been. In, in he's like three hundred a lot, a lot of garbage. Long. Going through VHSs at at uh, thrift stores, I find a lot of garbage that Corbin Burns is in. But That's he's funny. been working, working constantly since the sixties. But do you think he changed by the end? Were we given any indications other than the movie told us uh, that they were? He did perform the selfless action in the end where he was going to try and, uh, quote unquote, save the town because he ends up stealing the sperm truck. Okay. And that's supposed to be his redemption, I suppose. But just his actions the, it, make this movie, because it is he is so misogynistic, it, it, this movie's like a relic from its era of I, the worst I was that 92 had to he offer. He literally calls her fat. He calls her 
What else does he call a her? A cow. He calls her a cow. He calls her old. Uh, and Shelley Long in this movie uh, lives in a small town, but she is the director of the health clinic of the sperm bank. As she is a doctor. She's a doctor. She mm-hmm. is an, indep- an independent woman living on her own. The second Corbin Burnson walks in the door, she is lost and, aff- and uh, in a tizzy and in love and needs right. his validation. And he just negs her into a relationship by just saying you're ugly, you're fat, you're old and she just cannot get enough of it. It is astonishing. Yeah, it's terrible. And I wonder if like cuz Shelley Long's uh character on Cheers was you know she was the prudish kind of one and, so, and and I wonder if they were trying to trade off that but they didn't understand the difference between like prudishness and misogyny or just hatred or I don't I don't uh, know. So who do you think this they thought the audience would be for this movie because it is so unlike what you would consider a typical rom-com that women would flock to see. Like, was this made to be, let's make a rom-com, but appeal to guys, or was this just made to appeal to people with a low IQ? I would almost say children because that's what it <laughs> looks like. I mean, it looks like a family film, you know, not like children, but it's like, let's bring the whole family to this. It's like Doc Hollywood type thing, you know, a big town doctor goes to small with, town with prostitutes. And it's and PG. With, this it's is rated PG 13. Yeah, it's pretty hard 13. So it appeals not to kids. It does not appeal to adults. It <laughs> appeals to humans. I almost, or, <laughs> I almost wondered if I started like, making this conspiracy theory in my head that this whole thing was like some sort of money tax dodge or money laundering <laughs> thing or something like that. I don't know what the budget of this was. So the, one note about the other writer. So I said there were two writers credited. The other writer has like, instead of just one credit to his name, has two credits to his name. It was this movie and an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, which was essentially a romantic comedy episode of Star Trek The Next what? Generation. <laughs> How close was that to to this script? Uh, I mean, it wasn't about sperm banks or anything. No, 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 no. no, no. How, I'm not, how, 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 in time. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so that because episode... Because Quark opens a sperm bank. <laughs> <laughs> it actually would have been really close to 92, if not okay. the same year. Because it would be... I That would be a little more understandable than, like, if that was, you know, 10 years later or something like that. But if he was already... Oh, he was 91. Booked. Oh, so it was before this. Yeah, just before Boy, that does not make any sense. Nothing about this movie makes any sense. Wow. So he comes to this small town bank, uh, learns it's a sperm bank, blah, 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 clashes uh, clashes heads? What's the phrase? Clashes. <laughs> butts heads? Butts, butts heads. heads. <laughs> clash, is there a clash? Clash, clash of clash. clash of the Titans. <laughs> yes. Uh, butts heads <laughs> with uh, Corbin or Shelley Long. Blah, blah, blah. He wants to try to make the sperm bank profitable. She says, no, it should be a gift and free for everyone, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so he takes over, Corbin Brinson does, uh, and then sells, makes a big sale to apparently gangsters that need sperm. Sperm. <laughs> and so they can't, the small town sperm bank cannot fulfill 5,000 orders. So in order to fill I'm the I'm sure orders, it was going to Japan. <laughs> Yeah. Well, the guy, the whoever brokered that deal on the other side of the phone, they never showed him, sounded like one of the 
mafia crime family guys. (laughs) He had like a Jersey accent and wanted all the sperm. It was very unsettling. (laughs) So in order to fulfill that, Corbin Burton comes up with a plan to say, we will give $100,000 to the man in town with the highest sperm count. And that gets everybody in the town, which is like only 300 people, right. to fill 5,000 orders. There's, there'd be 150 men. <laughs> That's I, true. <laughs> I, I assume that their plan was that you could donate as much as you wanted. But still, wanted. why would the person buying the sperms be like, well, there's only 150 different samples here, even though there's... You know what I mean? Well, if they're like all, you if want the, variety. If they're going to different people, I guess it doesn't really guess. matter. I just didn't. It seemed like the, the, yeah, the the it, plot wasn't. It strong. didn't make a lot of sense. Let's let's let's, let's talk about the contest and, and and how the men are. There told. was no narrative flow or <laughs> character reasons. development or <laughs> plot arc <laughs> or any of those things. So the idea of this contest is what sets up like the rest of the movie. It hinges upon this contest and using it to be what makes money. Uh, for Zach and the people in the uh, that they put on what do you a variety show um, I to can talk about that <laughs> for the next 10 hours <laughs> they it's like a, a a whole city pep rally at yeah. the school gym and if anyone is listening right now I met somebody at the Portland Podcast Festival that asked if we were going to do frozen assets. And he said, I was an extra in that when I was a little kid. Oh, wow. And unfortunately we were in the bathroom while I was using the bathroom. And so could not write his name down or his information before he scuffled off to get another drink. But if you are that person, let us know because I don't know where that part was filmed, but it would be also interesting to hear that. But it's this school pep rally with cheerleaders and and they come up with a musical number all about the, the best ways to, donate your sperm and here's an yeah and it's again it feels like let me find it for you two three it's because i'm good time to mention that the movie actually does start with an animated sequence <laughs> yes it, it does. does a terrible with animated sperm going <laughs> that started and then i immediately said to myself oh it's gonna be this kind of movie <laughs> And that was not the only animated sequence in this movie. No, surprisingly. Because a character we have not talked about yet, but we will probably add to this, uh, has a dream sequence. But here's a little bit of this town-wide pep rally to announce the contest to find the most virile man in Hogart? Hobart. 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 I mean, so so my question about this is they just announced this contest. When have these people gotten together, written an incredibly detailed and explicit song about reproductive rights? They had this planned well. I they did. I mean, it went off without a hitch. It was it was a beautiful performance. But I I was I just. I just, frankly, I wrote down, what the fuck is happening at this point? <laughs> Every, because it was so weird. 
everything I learned about increasing my sperm count, I learned from the high school musical number <laughs> in Frozen Assets. I mean, it was solid advice. <laughs> All of the things they said. And it was funny because uh, I True. used to do writing for uh, a fertility clinic. Uh, and every week <laughs> had to write all these tips about you know smoking this and caffeine and all this and oh it was all in there God. so it was just yeah it was yep. just this big educational film uh so they have this contest the character we have not talked about is the character uh that is played by uh character actor comedian larry, larry miller, miller. Um, i'm trying to think of what most people would know I larry miller from. didn't realize i liked him as much as like he's he's a he, good actor he no he's, he's funny he's always in stuff and he's always funny he's one of those people you're like oh he's that in, guy yeah. he was he's in all the uh you know the uh, movies from uh, Best in Christopher Show. Guest, Show yeah, Christopher yeah, shows up in those. Uh, so he plays. He's a... also the uh, dean in The Nutty Professor okay. with Eddie Murphy. Okay, uh, yeah. So Larry Miller shows up uh, as Corbin Burnson is driving up to Oregon as a hitchhiker, and he's just saying all this nonsense. He plays a, a crazy person, uh, and Corbin Burnson drops him off at a castle. Yeah, he says, "Take me to my house," and then he ends up. Driving to a castle, but I was shocked to realize that castle. It was just weird because out of nowhere was a genuine castle, castle complete castle. with turrets and moats. Yeah, the only thing missing was like a dragon. And you ended up finding that was called the Canterbury Castle. Canterbury and it Castle was in the West Hills somewhere, and it was just yep. torn down in two thousand and nine. Yeah, it yep. was just, just a that. structural Sad. nightmare from yep. what they said. The, it has its own Wikipedia page, and it sounds yeah, amazing. It looked really cool. I am sure there's people commenting right now. I used to go to the castle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, they had it open to the public for a while Yeah, uh, before they tore it down. But Larry Miller's character lives there with his mom, and Corbin Burton ends up staying over the night or whatever. Why are they sharing a small boy's room? <laughs> Corbin Burton sleeps in the same room as Larry Miller. It's a child's room with two twin beds. It's a castle. There's got to be another room for him <laughs> to sleep in. Well, we do know that his character is eccentric. But Corbin Burton's isn't. Like I could see, I could see Larry Miller be like, "Oh, let's have let's stay up all night and like have a slumber party," because that was his character. But Corbin Burnson is a not a um, lawyer, or just he's like, a banker. He's a banker, and that was so dumb. Apparently, it still beats a, a room in the brothel. <sighs> shall we? Yes, yes, yes. We shall. So Corbin pulls into town. And asks, how does he, does he just pull in there or did he ask somewhere? No. Ask Where's the Imperial? I th yeah. He had like his reservation all set up. So he pulls they in. They put me up at the Imperial. They right. really care about me. <laughs> so he pulls into the Imperial, which is the building next to Papa Hayden on uh, Northwest 23rd. Oh. What is it uh, today? I don't know. It's some random. I think it's been a couple different places is over the past still decade or so. It's still Asian-y theme? No, I think that might have just been set dress for, for the movie. Interesting. Um, but the building still looks the same, but this had it's yeah, a some... very unique looking building. Yeah. Uh, so it had some like lanterns out in front of it or to set dress it. And so he walks in and it turns out as much as a hotel, but it's a it's a brothel. A very active brothel with tons of people. It was very loud inside. You could hear through all the rooms or whatever. But Corbin Burns never picks up on it. Does he? That it's a brothel? Yeah. He does. He, he totally does. I mean, he he looks through the peephole that's in his <laughs> room true. to the next room. He doesn't touch anything without putting a rag over his hand. Right. Uh, and oh, and that's why he decides to go stay with Larry Miller right. in the castle. Right. Oh. Right. Yeah. Because he's like, this, this is disgusting, and I don't okay. want to be here. 
this is the scene though we get one of the greatest puns in the movie which is so we're introduced into some of the women who are working the brothel and they introduce themselves and uh the one woman she says she's wearing uh, a red dress and she has mm. these earrings on in the shape of a heart and then she like grabs the earring and she's like i have a heart on for you oh that's right oh, i think this is it hold on house rules i know a, a german shepherd that's shepherd a r d I'm Valentine, and I've got a heart on for you. She's this really touching her heart <laughs> earrings. So yeah, that's that was pro- that's probably the most clever thing in this movie was that pun. <laughs> right. That in ten dollars on blue. <laughs> <laughs> you just liked it because it reminded you of Wesley Snipes, Passenger Fifty Seven. It reminded me of black. It reminded me of anything else. <laughs> it reminded you that life was worth living. <laughs> there is a there is somehow. a world outside of this movie. <laughs> So as uh, this uh, after they announce this contest, uh, everybody, uh, every dude in town stands in line at the at the sperm bank, which do you guys know where the location the bank, the bank, the. (sighs) That's the only location I wasn't able to to figure out. I don't know. I couldn't get it because the, they had those street lamps. With like it had the street lamps, and big... one of my friends I was talking about on Facebook said, "Boy, those those tiny street lamps look weird." And if you look at it, um, you'll see it's a shot from across the street. It's done really tight, so and I think it's done really tight so that you can't see that it's like in the middle of the city because it's supposed to be the right. small town. And there's next to the smaller light poles, uh, light poles that have some flowers on them. There's a big light pole, and I think they put the smaller light poles in as set dressing to make it look like a yeah. small town because it's literally right next to a light pole that just extends out of frame. That's way too big. Um, but I still cannot figure out uh, where that location is. So. It has the vibe to me of somewhere like first or second uh, on the waterfront. So downtown. yeah, if you, if you look at. Uh, if you look at our Facebook page, uh, there I posted a couple of pictures. I found the other locations, but I was not able to find that one. Um, so all the men line up. There it is. All the men line up, and then all of a sudden, as the men are lining up to win their prize, there's a protest that breaks out, and for some reason, housewives and prostitutes are suddenly protesting in the middle of the street. What was that all about? It's because I have nothing. <laughs> I think I got it. The men in town are all being celibate in order to save their deposits for the contest. Uh, and like the I, housewives I, are not being oh, serviced. So they're, they're horny housewives. Yes, and mm. the prostitutes are not getting paid, so they have a I, common interest. I understood the prostitute part, but I couldn't figure out like why the housewives were horny all housewives irritated for some reason. Mm. <sighs> Because that's 1992 for you. That's 1992. So, Corbin Bernstein and I, I'm losing my will to live. <laughs> this whole time, that's supposed to be this this Dave and Maddie moonlighting back and forth. We hate each other, but we all know they're going to end up together. He, they get drunk one night, and he convinces her that they slept together when they had not. We have well, to they talk get about drunk. The scene. They get drunk and she kind of tries to rape him and then she passes out and he kind of tries to rape her until he passes out. Yeah. This whole thing is nuts. <laughs> oh, I was at that house this morning. Yeah, the... Uh... The Frozen Assets house, except now there's a house next to it as well. Where is that at? Uh, it's in West Lynn. It's like a mile from the gas station. I oh. always get my refill at. Uh, 
because it's very distracting. Oh, it's, <laughs> sorry, we're looking for that. Building. I'm doing Google Street View trying to find the sperm bank. More I, interesting than it. this <laughs> talking movie. to Todd. <laughs> <laughs> what were you saying, Todd? 1992. Uh, oh yeah, we. Well, I'm so know. glad we don't have to live in 1992 anymore. Because all movies. I, I did notice as well. Did you notice the um, the Cheers theme song? Cue oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! That kept popping up. It in kept the music. driving me crazy. So I think I think I found it. Uh, uh, isolated one here. At 48 minutes and 17 seconds. There's one. Okay. 48 17. Yeah, that's when they're uh, in the yeah. um, vault. They're so cold. So they're they're stuck in a vault, and when you open the door, they play a music cue. I have. Oh, jeez! Wow! Isn't so, that insane? Yeah. Can you pull up the Cheers theme song now, so we can hear can. hear them side by side? I can. And I kept wondering if they were doing that just to like they, fuck with me and this whole Shelley Long. Connection. They had to do that on purpose. Oh, Shelley Long's in this movie. I'm gonna be clever. Watch this. We need to remind people why they like Shelley Long. <laughs> Come on. Yep. And so that was Cheers, and then this one. <laughs> that's pretty cra- yeah. that's, that's pretty ridiculous that's like vanilla ice have you ever heard that interview where he yeah. tries to talk about how his song is not ripping off under pressure yeah he's like under <laughs> pressure was like mine is dun 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 so amazing <sighs> it was driving me crazy that everything was just so lazily shot everyone was shot in a full body everyone's in the same room just standing talking to each other it felt it felt like they this was the first draft like it was enough for them to say okay but it's a sperm bank and when he comes i don't know he'll have to hold the baby and and someone calls to make a deal you know we'll we'll go back and we'll fill that out but then they never did and they're like oh no oh we have to shoot oh don't oh dear <laughs> Can this go direct to VHS? Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, even even like like I said, they get trapped in a freezer like it's an episode of the Brady Bunch where they like reminisce about something. And I have never seen I mean, in in most things, I would say Shelley Long and, and Corbin Bernstein are competent actors. They're sure. Maybe not the greatest of their time, but I have never seen two bodies repel like they were opposite ends of a magnet when they were supposed to be together. And when they were in the they go to the falls or whatever. Yeah. Oneonta falls. Oneonta falls. And they, when he, the only thing I'm sitting alone in my house, like a sad old man watching frozen assets in the middle of the night. And they're uh, on this little picnic date or whatever. And they're sitting close to each other. And Corbin Burson reaches out to like unbutton the top button of her pink jumpsuit, which she is wearing. And when he reached out and touched that button, I said out loud, don't you touch Shelly long like that. <laughs> Because it was just so gross and off-putting, and whenever they would kiss, the the, oh. the shape of their mouths could not be more incongruent. Like I, it looked like she was. <laughs> it's like one of those logic puzzles where you get all the shapes, and you're like, you have to fit them together In somehow mind, to it, make them. It just doesn't it, work. No. Uh, so anyway, at some point, all of the prostitutes become nurses at the <laughs> at the yes. clinic. Um, thanks to Shelley Long's son, I mean brother. What was that? That was the weirdest thing ever. Now, granted, I did think it was her son, too, at first. Well, of course. Why? My question. So, okay. Before I get too worked about it, Shelly Long lives in the small town. She lives in the same house as someone who as looks brother. like her son, yeah. but is her brother. 
and their mom passed away or something like that. I don't know what the story with the yeah. mom is. We got a one sentence. My question, and so they even Shelley Long in the, in the movie says it was like everybody keeps thinking uh, that he's my son. Do I look old? And and my question is, why is he her brother? Why not her son? Why not? Like that makes no, no, no sense. It doesn't serve the story at all. No, it absolutely serves the story because yeah. she very specifically wanted a child. Uh, and so he couldn't be the son because she was yearning. She I've I've oh. I've virtually birthed 65 children, but I haven't had my own. And and so she's very much like trying to drive that maternal instinct. And I, I want to okay. find a husband. I want to. And they you know, so. they also want to accentuate the fact that her biological clock is fastly ticking away. Constantly reminding her every right. scene that oh, she's old. She's old and fat like a cow. But why does that character exist like the brother yeah, yeah the brother was, didn't do anything he was well anyways this gets back to your original point he's the one who comes up with the bright idea to put the prostitutes in nurses outfits that's oh, true God. and then we get them we get yeah, a montage uh where are my montage notes i was very excited oh that's where the the whores become nurses and it's animated and it's a time filler and so this is where they we have the another animated dream sequence i guess by larry miller's character who is feverishly improvising out of nowhere his heart out i felt so bad for him just thinking of him trapped in some adr booth trying to come up with funny lines for this hideous movie oh hi sperm he's i he does he survive this movie does he did he come out okay do you think he did okay in this movie Larry Miller. I, it doesn't matter. He came out okay because he went on to to be in some funny stuff later. That's true. He wasn't permanently. Oh, are there? There's tracks on the street there. There's tracks in this That's one. When he That's when he goes to the, one, the headquarters building. Oh. The headquarters building. Uh, let's talk location. Uh, is the Bank of America building downtown? Yep. So yeah, there's a couple. There's a couple uh, locations outside of the one we can't find. They filmed uh, the big ending sequence where they have the town celebration uh sesquicentennial uh, at willamette falls park uh-huh. in westland uh-huh. and uh, the house that shelly long lives on is also in westland i visited that location this morning that was pretty cool uh and sent you guys a picture were you all excited you felt like you were in hollywood all i of a did yes the hollywood you wanted to go knock on the door and be like westland. excuse me do you, do you know where Dude, you live this is the frozen assets house man <laughs> i bet they don't get that every day <laughs> <laughs> no, that uh, that building was pretty soon. They'll have to cover the tar- uh, the house in a blue tarp to keep the tourists <laughs> away. <laughs> Goody style. Uh, no, that house is actually a famous historical house, and it was uh, owned, built, and owned by the uh, operator of the Oregon Woolen Mills and one of the first signers of the p- uh, petition to make Oregon a state. Oh wow! So that was the hmm. only worthwhile thing I found out uh, researching this entire movie was that little fact. It did not look like they still had the white picket fence. Uh, no, they didn't. There. Yeah. And there was a couple other houses uh, next to it that that weren't there. But yeah, hmm. that was that was funny to go by. Oh, this movie. Uh, let's uh, so let's d- keep talking about locations because that's okay. we don't have to talk about the plot if we talk about locations. So the yeah that ca- that castle location is in the west was was in the West Hills. If you go to Portland at the movies dot com slash map, you'll be able to click on an interactive map, and I uh, put I think five locations for this movie. Uh, if you scroll down to Frozen Assets, there's not uh, a lot. That, there's of... not a lot, and even what there is, like what we're seeing now. All of the street scenes are so close, and I don't know if that was on purpose, again, to hide, to make it look like a small town, or if the guy was just an incompetent director. The director, George Miller, 
Not the George not, Miller that did yeah, Mad Max. Not, right. Not that George <laughs> not Miller. Not to be confused with the George Miller that makes good movies. <laughs> <laughs> like Babe Pig in the City. <gasps> did he do Babe Pig in the City? Pretty sure. Oh, that's funny. Uh, um, let's see. I'm trying to think what. Oh, uh, the ferry was a neat location. It was, which is also at Willamette Park. That can, was just is that a not the Canby ferry. That was not the Canby ferry. Uh. The Canby ferry, uh, um, is different and has a different approach. And the ferry itself is attached along a line for power. Oh. This I think was just a boat dock or a boat ramp that they put a sign oh. next to that said uh, Hogarth Ferry. Hobart. Hobart. <laughs> Stop trying, Todd. Hogarth. Uh, so yeah, it was neat, but that was at uh, Willamette State Ball hmm. uh, Park. So the contest goes awry. <laughs> Let's keep talking about locations. The contest for I think we're out. We have nothing I, left. I got more. Oh, do you? Ooh, okay. Uh, I think the Alaska Airlines airplane deserves a mention. You know that's got to pull at the heartstrings of the, any Oregonian the, to see uh, the Alaska Airlines it airplane. It was just corporate footage from Alaska <laughs> Airlines with right. somebody's voiceover over it <laughs> to indicate story. Um. Uh nope never mind that's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> that I thought I had something else, but I'm like, oh, we already talked about the radio, <coughs> Wilsonville Cave Junction. Oh yeah, yeah, Cave Junction. Nope, that's about it. Uh, so back to the story. Ugh. So the whole town is having the contest to find the most Vera man, who everyone assumes is going to be this gigantic Paul Bunyan, Grizzly Adams type guy that has eight kids. Yeah. Uh, and did you look up his IMDb page? Ooh, I didn't. It's pretty. He's got a pretty cool filmography. He just his entire career was playing like uh, Bigfoot and tall oh, monster funny. people. Just, like, huge guy. He was Harry and Harry <gasps> and the Hendersons. Really? <laughs> yeah. That is amazing. Colin loves that movie. And, and then this was his last movie because he died a couple years later. Oh, because oh. big tall people don't live long. No. All right, Pete. Peter, Sorry, Peter Mayhew. Uh, no, he he was great. He was good at being tall. Uh, that's funny, Harry and the Hendersons. So, but because of this contest and they're measuring everyone's sperm, somehow they find out that he wasn't the real father of all these kids. And so there's five minutes in this movie where the town is in chaos. He is dropping the children off at not random people because it turns out that the wife was having an affair with everyone in town. Right. So they, I think they probably just find out that he is sterile. That he probably doesn't have, you know, good sperm. Oh. But then, how do they make the jump that all eight children are from different fathers, <laughs> which they do say? I feel like wasn't there a scene where the wife stood up and was like, "She yeah, to it." She says that um, uh, I got my knees. They may be from eight different fathers, but you're the only one they call daddy. That's right. <laughs> which is also terrible it's another only one they call daddy it's another one of those really awkward moments in this movie that is awkward in that 1992 kind of way and just that it's played just for laughs like that and out of the blue uh because he's been shown to be nothing but a doting wonderful father and so he drops the kids off at all these other houses uh and like they drops it off to the old man's house there was the old man and old lady do you remember that that Oh, the the what the, the, the guy with the big long beard. Yeah, he one of the kids got dropped off there, and they were like oh. in their seventies. Oh I was wow! Like, oh, you go. So he's the guy at the end of the movie that we find out. It's very subtle, but he actually wins the contest. He actually wins the contest. You're right. That's him. Yeah, and then in the movies, he's credited as Stud of the Year Octogenarian. <laughs> that's ridiculous. That's awesome. <laughs> that is what I want in my obituary. <laughs> <laughs> of the year octogenarian oh my gosh so for some reason everything goes wrong and they have to 
Corbin Burton steals the truck that has the 5,000 vials of sperm in it for some reason. For some reason, because by him doing that, it shows to Shelley Long that he cares, and it's not just about his promotion and the money. It's about the people in the town, and they have feelings, too. And by getting rid of the... Oh, he's going to hold the sperm hostage <laughs> to get the money that is owed to the winner of the contest. What? That, that's his plan. He's going to steal the this? sperm, and then he's not going to... Because uh, his boss, the uh, head of the conglomerate, says, we're not going to pay out the money. money. Okay. And so he... He wants to do the right he thing. He wants to do the right thing, okay. so he's going to hold the sperm hostage until they get the $100,000. Okay. So he steals the truck, drives it into the river, swims across the river where Shelley Long is addressing the entire town at their sesquicentennial. Yep. And that's where we get that line at the beginning where, uh, how dare we, it was the most ludicrous thing I have ever heard in my life. Deliver everything. This movie is delivered poorly. Like the first take, they just took it and whatever happened, that was it. Which is probably and there are a ton of people That's in this scene too. Like everyone in Westland must have shown up for being extra <laughs> and everyone in the next town over. <laughs> Hey, California California that was that was pretty good that was a true Oregon moment no, as a reminder never to let money overpower our need for love and trust if we can learn just that nobody here will have been any poor for having known Zach Shepard speak for your now I have a big question I have not seen the music man the okay. old musical. That's a good movie. Is this the Music Man? Is this a, a fan theory that you read to, on Reddit? It I w- it occurred to me at the end, and mostly because of the monorail. The only huh. re- the only reason I know Music Man is because of the monorail episode monorail. of The Simpsons. Monorail. But he comes to town, promises them, promises the town something. Everybody in the town gets excited. Guy skips town. Guy feels bad comes back to the town blah 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 i don't it is that the music man yes Be- and it i felt is. like that's what they were trying to do wow mm. you just blew my mind <laughs> this is a remake of the music it's man mu- with sperm it, yeah you replace marching bands with that's sperm. Our, that's our pull quote <laughs> <laughs> it's like the march like <laughs> music man <sighs> i'm glad sperm. we had this talk because this movie just makes so much more sense now but they, yeah it occurred to me and i was like i haven't seen it but but yeah but we're told at the end by shelly long just now that corbin Burnson meant a lot to these town and then uh there's the one towns member who's like uh it's the first person he's me. It's the frequent donor from the first scene when he comes to town and he's like, I've known him longer than anyone else in this town. And I think he's an asshole. And then this other town folk stands up and goes, well, if crazy Jim thinks he's an asshole, then he's okay in my book. And then that's when the whole town is like, we love him. Everybody's like, yay. And then at, at that point that the eight kids of grizzly Adams just walk up to him and go, Oh, you're our real dad. And like, that's how that's wrapped up. That's how the storyline of this broken family of adultery and bastard children spread across the small town gets wrapped up because everyone loves Corbin Burnson. It is terrible. We have to talk about the awkward scene where all the women in the sperm bank run off to go watch porn. Well, that or the scene where we've talked so little about Larry Miller, but his character is so inconsequential where he goes 
to the club or something like that and walks oh. out and all of the women are like, whoo-wee. And like he touches his collar and they all like faint with delight and they devour him. What was happening? It's because he's the yeah. only man in town who can have sex at the moment. But he he lives there. So the only reason the women wanted him was because he was the only one not donating his sperm. Right. Because all the other men are not putting out right now. Oh, I did not get that at all. At all. <laughs> he's a commodity now. Did like that he's... ever occur to me that that was happening in this movie? Wow. It is kind of funny. Like, I think the if they tried to actually do this contest, I think it kind of would be popular. <laughs> I... I went back and forth. I don't think it'd be popular like in the movie where there are people standing in line for no. hours. Because I wonder, like, you wouldn't ever want someone, like, even if the town was having that contest, you would never want anyone to see you, like, go in to, I mean... You, but if uh, everybody's doing it... I can, uh, <laughs> maybe we should... Maybe let, let's hold let's a Portland-wide contest to see who has the highest sperm count. Now, what is the status of sperm banks in Oregon? Are they in need of sperm, like, all the time, like the blood banks are? Or do they have, like, an oversupply? I want to know. <laughs> Listener who works at the sperm bank, you tell us in the comments below. And I, I'm I'm fairly certain that there is a difference between a sperm bank and a fertility clinic. It sounded like Shelley Long was running a sper- uh, fertility clinic. She was helping... Cost, uh, but the sign them. clearly says it just sperm says bank. sperm bank, which I just think is a part of a fertility clinic. Yeah. Like, it's not... I don't think there's just a sperm bank. Like, I would imagine they were a part of a... But maybe I'm wrong. And apparently Zach couldn't read the huge letters on the... Oh, on the door as he came it in. It is written in like four foot letters. Now on they the door. do explain that because when he grabs the door to walk in, he grabs the door that says sperm and his eye is caught by a smudge over the word bank. So he is looking at the word bank. He opens the door and then he like wipes the smudge away with his other hand. Well, I take it back. This movie has answered they have, they have all thought the of questions. everything. They closed they're, all the plot. I have no more questions. <laughs> So, oh, and here's our zany scene where Corbin Bernstein, for some reason, there's also a nursery in the clinic for that when parents come to mommy right. and me classes, they can leave their baby. And so there's a wacky scene where Corbin Bernstein is taking care of a baby. And that he's taking care of the baby. So all the women are like out watching porn. But Did you not catch that in the movie? They're in mommy and me class or whatever. Right, but she says like one of the perks of working here is we get some fun materials and she holds up like a VHS of porn and then the other women are like, oh, we need a few minutes with that what? video and they run off with the video. What? Yes, this happened in the movie. <laughs> Today, you and your penile implant. How about it, Grace? One of the fringe benefits of biogenetics? Dirty movies? We're on everybody's mailing list. Who has the time? Let's make time. Oh, Mr. Shepard, would you mind watching the babies? I have never seen that scene before in my life. <laughs> you blocked it out. I, I do not Your remember brain was anything about you. that. Oh, my gosh. Let's go watch the penile implant video. <laughs> yeah, uh. That's like a bins, a bins worthy thing. Uh, anyway, I can't find the mob boss now, but it's just so stupid. This whole movie is just stupid and insulting and angering. The only thing else I have to give a shout out to is the Charlie the Tuna phone, which was amazing. When that came, that was uh, Larry Miller gets to the castle, goes up into his room and is talking to someone on a Charlie Charlie. the Tuna 
telephone. Like think of the Garfield telephones that y'all remember, except it's not Garfield. It's Charlie, Charlie Tuna. I don't think it's Charlie the Tuna. I think it's just Charlie Tuna. Can you please find one of those at Goodwill for me? (laughs) Wouldn't that be amazing if I found the Charlie Tuna? I had never seen anything like that. And just to throw that in this movie was insane. (laughs) Nothing about this movie made sense. Anything else? Uh, so the the Ebert uh, review wraps up <laughs> this question. Let's, let's bring this full circle. <laughs> Movies like Frozen Assets are small miracles. You look at them and wonder how, at any stage of the production, anyone could have thought this was a watchable movie here. Did the director find it funny? Did the actors know they were doomed? Here is a movie to watch in appalled silence. To call it one of the year's worst would be a kindness. Wow. And it's true. I mean, some like Shelley Long is a competent actress. There were times where she would kind of fumble or lie or not say it quite, you know, like you would be warming up or something like that. And then those are the takes that are chosen. It's baffling. I would call this movie unwatchable. Yeah, it's terrible. I, think I would too. Yeah. Is this the worst one we've watched? It, it, it is. For, it has to be. Because would you watch, rather watch this or Extraordinary Measures? measures. Extraordinary measures. Extraordinary measures. Because really? well, because extraordinary measures was just bland. Yeah, it's, it's it true. doesn't it's it's not offensive. This, this like goes this the extra like, mile, right. and it works hard to offend you. Like you you come out a worse person. Yeah. Than when you came in, I feel beat up. <laughs> so, would I recommend this? <laughs> no. I mean, only okay. So so when they say that you know. <laughs> You look at an, you look at a train wreck. You can't look away. This is like you can't look away from the train wreck, but you are also in that train wreck. <laughs> train wreck. <laughs> You're watching it from the window of the train as it's, it's wrapping itself around. Exactly. So this movie is a little bit interesting as a product of its time. In the like, how did this truly get made? But but. At the same time, you're wasting your time. I think probably made more offensive because I hate going, keep going back to Shelley Long, but I mean, she's delightful. Like to see, yeah, to see good people be in something this bad where it felt like they would have cared if the people making the movie would have cared. I wrote down in my notes, poor Shelley Long. And poor Larry Miller trying to hold this nonsense together. His character ends up being a billionaire for some reason. And then at the end hires Corbin Bernstein to do something. I blame Don Klein. And there's got to be more to that story. I'm telling you money laundering. Frozen Assets Productions. If anyone has a connection. Frozen Assets film. If anyone has a connection to Don Klein, please. Yeah, if you know more about this movie. Just let us know at facebook.com slash Portland at the movies. Oh, man. So, Mark, you wouldn't recommend this either? Nope. Todd? I don't think so. I don't think so. I wanted so much. Like I said, I wanted the bad 80s sitcom movie. I was in the mood for that. And like you said, it went the extra mile. Like, I forgot how mad I was at this movie. <laughs> until until we did this, like Money Pit was a Money solid, Pit is like, great. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah True Beverly Hills, she's great in. That was right before this. I mean, obviously Cheer, she was great in, but I never did see Outrageous Fortune with Bette Midler. No, and her, mm. I never saw that. Um, but yeah, she's great, and I guess True Beverly Hills is nineteen eighty nine. This was ninety two, so she's on her way out. Three years after her last success, so. 
And then she did nothing but she's done kind of nothing but TV and a couple little movie cameos. But she's been consistently working. But yeah, man, hmm. what a bummer this movie was. Uh, you can find it on YouTube if you search for it. Assets. If you want, I would scrub through it to see what we're what we're getting at. But you'll see pretty yeah, if, quickly. If you don't believe us, if you're like, there's no way it can be that bad. If it, don't take our word for it, just go watch a few minutes. Watch the first five minutes. Yeah, and then scrub to the middle, and then scrub to the end, and then you will see. Maybe you'll see Willamette Falls Park, which looks nice. If you're or, lucky, or if you recognize the building, yes, if you <laughs> can find know. the building, then let us know because we still it lo- almost looked You'll like be you 100, found one hundred thousand dollars richer. <laughs> I'll start. I'll start going. I'll start going door to door downtown Portland, knocking on all the businesses. Is this the Is sperm this the frozen bank? assets place? Oh, man. Well. This is truly like a before and after, I feel like. I feel like we've kind of reset another bar. I wish I wish our bars would go up at some point. We are lower in the but bar. But the bars keep getting lower, man. It was funny. Uh, when I was looking up information on this, of course, another David Walker article comes up because he's in everything. And he called all these movies uh, the Curse of Homer and Eddie, which is a um, yep. Whoopi Goldberg, James Belushi movie that would, we have on our list. I would say that's accurate only because that movie predated frozen assets otherwise it would be the frozen assets curse okay yeah that's true that was that was ground zero oh boy well we are done forever with frozen assets thank the lord (laughs) let's hope they never release it on (laughs) blu-ray let's hope this is one of those things that just does not survive into the future you can uh here you can go see the locations go do that go to portland at the movies.com slash map uh find the frozen assets you can see a couple of the locations that we were able to find you'll see the castle house which is really cool that made this movie at least a little bit worth it to see that canterbury castle house that used to be around yeah um but we are done with that so thank you everyone for joining us uh we can be heard on the fun employment radio network along with a bunch of other great shows including greg and sarah's show they've got uh, greg and sarah have a bunch of great uh activities coming up they've got a trip planned up they've got uh, a bunch of they've got a movie commentary night coming up at landmark saloon a trip to alaska they got a lot of cool things going on so check their page and listen to them uh you can hear me and mark somewhere mark where can you hear that at the Mark and Todd cast. The Mark and Todd cast? What's that? Uh, we talk about Portland and some science things uh, uh, about half of the month. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. When we get around to it and we're not doing this. Not doing this. Uh, Brian, if people want to learn more about you, what can they do? They should find me at, as always, unipiper.com or just open your windows and listen for the sound of uh, the Doppler effect in bagpipes. Uh, bagpipes come down. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, yes, and we are uh, working on a couple new and interesting projects here, so stay tuned for that. We will let you know when those are finished. Uh, but go out, listen to our old shows, uh, look at the map. Let us know if you have any insider info on some of the movies filmed around here, if you were in them or an extra. Know some of the locations, let us know. Other than that, uh, I'll just play, I don't know what it is, but I'm sure there's bad 80s synth music at the end of this movie. <laughs> so I will play that. We will see you guys next time. You mean the Cheers theme? Oh, this does sound like it too. The melody eh. does. Wow. Even this is just a kick in the crotch. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna vomit.
additional re-recording facilities at Skywalker Sound. Every movie ever. <laughs> uh.